Welcome to Darker Days Radio. Uh, this is David, one of your hosts from the Dark Hammer series. And today I'm joined by Pete and James. Good good evening, good morning, as we're in different <laughs> parts of the world. So uh, nice to have Pete back on the show. Uh, how's things going, Pete? Ah, things are good. Um, it's it's very early in the morning. It's very early Saturday morning on in uh, sunny Melbourne, and it is unusually cold. Coldest morning in May on record. Apparently, it's it's uh, two degrees outside. So that's wonderful. That sounds sounds really pleasant. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I am I am rugged up. I am rugged up next to my heater with a coffee, and I I am ready to talk about. My favorite, uh, basically, you know, well, a, a series that contains my, my favorite movie ever, which would be James Cameron's Alien. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into this. We are a, we're a little bit behind the curve on the, um, the reviews of this game, but um, I think we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun digging into this. Yeah. So, also welcome, James. Uh, um, nice to see you back again as well. How are things with you? Um, yeah, things are things are good. You know, uh, I'm I'm back in uh, full time games design employment, so it's uh, nice one. Yeah, it's oh, it's lovely to be back doing you know what you really what you really love. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been watching Aliens film. Well, you know some of the films uh, so far, getting ready for this. Um, so it's been uh, very interesting. So if people haven't gathered, um, we're going to be discussing the Aliens RPG today from Free League. Um, and it's such it's such an amazing book. We'll get into that in a second. But so has, uh, what gaming, what games have people, you two been up to if you've actually managed to get any games going recently um, with the um, current situation? Well, that's a, that's a big fat none from me. So I'm a, um, thank you, Mr. COVID. I am a frontline healthcare worker. I'm an operating room technician at one of Melbourne's sort of largest emergency hospitals. So even even with Australia being hit relative, well, not being hit as, as badly as a bunch of other um, countries, we've actually started uh, loosening restrictions about a week ago. So you can actually have up to five visitors in your home, which makes it seeming like gaming is back on the table. But for me personally, I'm sort of not gonna take the risk because if anyone's going to be, you know, the vector, <laughs> Of, of infecting his whole gaming group, it's likely to be me. So I won't be doing any face-to-face -face gaming um, for, I think, at least until I want to say July is when I've tentatively scheduled my group. So that's when uh, my V5 campaign is finally going to start. But uh, beyond that, I've been we've been playing, um, oh, we've been playing online duels of uh, Battletech where the winner has sent the other guy um spoils of war i.e some probably just some mcdonald's via uber eats <laughs> so that's been a, that's been a bit of fun but yeah beyond that yeah sadly sadly just reading a lot of rpg books and making a lot of notes when i finally do get around to starting v5 it's probably going to be oh man the most extensively uh, prepped game that i've ever run <laughs> it's just got nothing to do so i'm just going to sit here and read this book and write notes that's one way to pass the time um basically I, I, some of my camp, some of my games that I've run recently have, because of all this time, have uh, got some really, really extensive notes as well. So it's been quite, quite nice digging into the lore a little bit. What about you, James? What have, have you been up to anything? Um, yeah, I, uh, I've been trying to mull around with ideas for a, a new D and D campaign, and I kind of my notes led me off in one direction to the point that I've basically written a new character class for D and D for my my group. Uh, with like 
three different archetypes for it and i'm uh you know it's it's almost it's almost done it's almost there um uh the campaign notes not progressed quite as far um because i went down this rabbit hole but uh you know that's uh that's good fun it's not quite my um uh my fashionista class that i was writing before it's uh it's all about a class that uses constitution because D D fifth edition basically just gunked constitution uh and you don't use it for it out apart from hit points um but yeah so that's been good fun uh other than that i i needed something to burn some time whilst i've been stuck inside so i i reactivated my world of warcraft subscription oh, oh there you go a lot of my friends have done that they're like they're like we, we are back on the war crack yeah i like there's there's so much in world of warcraft that it's just like here's a whole bunch of goals on like a checklist and having worked in qa testing for quite a while if you present me with a whole bunch of like these are the tasks yeah. that you need to complete today my brain just kind of like blanks out and then like five hours later i wake up oh my god what have i done um completed <laughs> all the goals <laughs> yeah i i pretty much like been able to complete uh what's it lego star wars the clone wars uh, I can do that pretty much without being conscious. It's uh, it's quite a feat, I've been told. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that that was one way I, I did like full playthroughs as part of the test, just like yeah. day in day out for six months or something. Um, but yeah, uh, it's all it's all good. Ooh. All right. Um, here's here's an achievement. Has anyone made it to uh, Uber Eats gold status yet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I use Uber Eats. I use a oh, Deliveroo, yeah. unfortunately. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm 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 50 points off, which was really scary. I'm like, oh dear. I actually I actually had sort of my my um the universe telling me off moment where uh, after I think it was my fourth Uber Eats delivery of the day when slightly drunk I fell down the stairs outside my apartment and oh. had a wonderful bruise up my arm, which I think was the universe's way of telling me to cook your own damn food. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, I've not really been well i've been running a lot of different games recently oh wow um, so i've got a one fantasy role play um we're playing through we're going to try and get through hopefully if we can get the books when they get released the entirety of enemy and shadows for fourth edition going very well at the moment um some very entertaining comedy moments have happened releasing a hippogriff in a tent was oh, spectacular um I've just finished playing the first part of the kind of mini campaign in the Things from the Flood book. Oh, oh that game is so good. Um, I really want to continue, finish finish running that that mini campaign. That the places it takes you, especially when you realise you're all kids in, and like teenagers in the nineties. It's like, oh, oh, so we can't just go to the internet and and find out this information. Yeah, no, no, no internet. Do you have a mobile yeah. phone? Probably not. No. Yes, it um, it, 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 weigh, it weighs half a kilogram. Yeah. Um. So that that was that was really fun to delve into, and I've just started up a, a new vampire, new V five group. So. Ooh, how's that going? We've had, we've had two sessions really. Um. These are very beginners to vampire, so um. But they're really enjoying it so far, so that's that's good. Yeah, that was that was something that was something that I discovered when I was doing a V five um, introductory session. It's like vampire is. Vampire is um, sort of system light, but lore very, very, very heavy. And very so that heavy. Can be, that can, yeah, that can be really difficult bringing in new players. I remember I just saw I stripped 
all of that shit out. You know, you just look, don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about any of that, you know, because you can go into all this sort of, you can chase this rabbit hole. Um, and that's really difficult for new players. Yeah. And so I just, I, I, I stripped, I stripped all of it out and I basically boiled it down to mass, you know, it's vampire, the masquerade. We need to maintain the masquerade. And, and my very straightforward introductory plot was about maintaining the masquerade. And people, yep, we can understand that. Vampires real. Vampires need to conceal themselves. Anyone who's a threat to that needs to get sorted out. Done. Um, yeah, and then I, I went just to, pretty much yeah, did the and, same thing. And then I and then I quickly had to go to the toilet. And then I came back and discovered that the one the one guy who who has been into this shit for twenty five years was now waxing lyrical to the new players. He's going on about the Inconu. And I think the Talmeray, and I could just see their eyes moving Please. like slot machines. And I'm like, oh, thanks, mate. Oh, God. All right. It's Luckily, I'm the real. only one who has any experience in the world in this game. So they, none of them are really kind of going, asking me any questions too, too depth. And they're just kind of, they're taking everything from the core book. Yeah, good. So, excellent. Wonderful. That's it. <laughs> um yeah having 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 players who have a slightly more uh, ha having players who have a slightly more um or not slightly more uh, a much more in-depth knowledge of the law particularly vampire than you are and then they pop up and you know say something when you're contradicting it or when they think you're contradicting it and yeah. you're like yeah okay mate whatever yeah and we could go on for a long time talking about vampire because that's what kind of around that's how bad. <laughs> yeah. uh we should probably delve into um this absolute oh. beast of a book this amazing game that pre-league have managed to produce um alien the role-playing game First, now I, th I think it should be worth mentioning, and because it's 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 you can argue this is the fun aside, but I think it's worth mentioning that this is not the first time someone has produced a role-playing game set in this world. So, have had either of you heard of 1991's Alien Adventure Game by Leading Edge Games? I have. Oh, okay, so this is this is a fun little little trip down a rabbit hole. So, um, there's a there's a group called oh, the back in the day there was a group called Leading Edge Games. Um, the designers for it were literally NASA rocket scientists. And wow. they, origi they originally designed a game called Phoenix Command, which, is, which was supposed to be like um, a world agnostic, quote unquote, realistic um, combat simulator, yeah. which, is, which is bonkers complex. Like it is the most complex, I think you could probably argue it's the most complex um, combat system ever put on the market like like to the point where you're you're not so much dealing no one has hit points but you have all these amazing tables where you start talking about armor penetration armor over penetration there is i think a table dealing with every single major organ on the human body um and yeah it's it's impenetrable in my opinion um and now for whatever reason these, but, yeah. well yeah yeah, yeah you, know, you know quote unquote realistic but where Working out, you know, resolving the idea of two guys shooting each, shooting at each other with six shooters could take you six hours. I'm I'm not kidding. And but it, but at this sort of and they had this this sort of really strange, complete and 100% total um 100% total devotion to 
doing realistic combat with sort of the game world detached sort of as an aside. And for whatever reason, they were gobbling up every single license they could get their hands on. They actually did, you know, using their Phoenix command system, there's a there's a there's a um there's a role playing game out there for Bram Stoker's Dracula. So it's that's sort of in our wheelhouse, but it's got pages and pages of rules of using authentic oh, this is gonna get me in trouble. Authentic um nineteenth century weapons, but nothing about Dracula himself. Oh, how bizarre. I know. It's it's this strange little curio which who knows which which we may decide to pick up. But anyway, so they put out um a version of the Aliens role playing game and the world stuff that they came up with isn't too bad. It's it's definitely extrapolated from what's in the movies. But again, it's just got pages and pages and pages about, you know, how to do effective combat between an alien and a pulse rifle and not really a hell of a lot else. <laughs> and you're really like, much effective uh, combat between a pulse rifle and an alien. Wasn't it usually the well, alien one? To an extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 um, it was able to replicate the lethality, but it didn't have anything to do with... It didn't take it anywhere similar to what the new edition goes to, but we'll get to that in a minute. And it's it's just this really bizarre little curio. You can find it here and there. Um, it's not like, it's not one of those incredibly expensive little curios, you know, little sort of little little corners of, of role-playing game history. Because I think um, the leading edge sort of went too, you know, went too close to the sun and they then sort of, uh, I think they gobbled up a bunch of uh, 20th century um, licenses they put out I said, just some crazy stuff. Like they put out a Lawnmower Man role playing game, if you remember that old movie. And they put out. I'd play that. (laughs) Yeah, but again, I think it's got rules. I don't know what rules it's got. I think it's got rules for like late 90s firearms, but nothing about, you know, virtual reality. Um, Feast the object. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they put out a they put out a miniatures game for Terminator Two, which you know, which which they called Terminator Two: Year of Darkness, which sounded cool. They went too close to the sun. They they um they ran out of money, and then I think the designers all you know exited the gaming industry and went back to working for NASA. Okay. <laughs> all right. So so sort of there was that. Um. So so that sort of you know that was sort of the end of role playing games and Alien Four. Oh, geez, for the better part of 25 years. Um, the license has bounced around a little bit for a while. We've gotten a, a really good, which is now defunct, sadly, but we've we've got now a really good uh, Alien versus Predator uh, miniatures game slash board game, um, which I've got a, which I've um, got a copy of and a bunch of miniatures for. Uh, and then sort of finally, I think it was, when did this come out, guys? I want to say, was it 2018? I'm sorry? <laughs> Sometime last year, wasn't it? It says twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. I am I am losing all concept of time and space. Thank you, COVID. I'm spending so much time inside. Um, so yeah, so this so it came out last year. Um, put out by Free League, and um, so this one's a little bit different from the previous release, which was Aliens. So this, so the previous one was was entirely focused on, as you can tell, basically on pulse rifles and aliens. So that was entirely designed as an aliens simulator. Your choice of playing. You could either play a colonial marine who was, you know, essentially good at, I guess, good at the pulse rifle, or you could play a colonial marine who was good at using the smart gun, and that was about it. This new one is more an alien RPG, so it's more designed about evoking the terror of the first film rather than that sort of pulse-pounding James Cameron you know, sort of kicking in the door and, and running, screaming, for, you know, you know, kicking in the door, running, screaming and being able to 
shoot and to an extent engage aliens in combat, although you could probably have a good crack at that with this game. This, this game uh, is it's alien rather than aliens. Absolutely. Very much, as, you, as we'll go through it, but you'll see it's very much more around kind of the extended universe and building in, build, actually building the universe rather than just you're a squad going out to fight aliens or aliens discover you and you get eaten because that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, um, you have. There's, there's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, playing this as Marines doing Marine stuff is definitely an option. It's in the game, but this game is more has an emphasis, and I've heard I'm I'm massive on on the alien world. Um, this is more an emphasis on kind of the working Joes of the world. Now, um, I've heard sort of, you know, an interesting critical response to the first three Alien films was always that these were very much sort of blue-collar working-class films, that the protagonists of the first film, three films, so just kind of, you know, sort of long-haul truckers for the first film, you know, enlisted soldiers for the second film, and then prisoners for the third, was these were very much sort of, you know, low-rung people of society, who are then basically being shat on by giant corporations. You know, the alien's not really the enemy. The alien is just, the alien is, the alien's gonna alien, but it's more the idea that a massive faceless corporation sort of sees them for profit and wants to obtain the alien and doesn't care how many working stiffs die in the process. And so this version really kind of emphasizes that. So, so your your character classes are all just kind of yeah, we're here we are, we're out in we're out in space and we're working and you know got a job to do, got the paycheck coming in. So you can play as sort of you know as they literally call them space truckers, who are sort of you know, representative of the characters in the first one. Um, now, one of the things that that I'm a massive massive fan of that they've done here is you can kind of tie yourself in knots if you look at alien and try to apply some of the same rules that have popped up with either let's say star trek or star wars in that trying to work out what is and isn't canon because each kind of film is particularly when ridley scott you know came back and did prometheus and covenant which was i'm not a fan of those films in any way shape or form which um you know then tried to slot itself in and say it was a prequel to the first films what this one has done that i'm such a massive massive fan on is the, the rpg itself has kind of made its own canon where it said look we're going to put in elements which are from uh, from from aliens extended universe so we're going to um we're going to pop in a bunch of elements from the comics we're going to put in a bunch of elements from some of the the novels that got published and actually the the biggest source which i which i find just really really fascinating the biggest source for um background lore for this role playing game is actually from the unproduced screenplays for Alien 3. So um, Alien 3 went through this really, really, this, this very, very long development process um, where they were going towards having a film which was actually going to be closer to Aliens than Alien 3. Um, and, and they went out and they hired um, William Gibson to actually produce that one. Uh, and so at that point, Sigourney Weaver had said that she didn't want to do um, any more alien films. So um, the main character of the film was going to become the character of Hicks and the action would have picked up um, when the Sulaco gets essentially um, intercepted on its way back to Earth by um, a group who, who represent the Union of Progressive Peoples, which was basically space communists. 
who then enter the Sulaco and discover that Bishop, um, after being sort of stabbed through the back by the alien queen, she actually deposited sort of, um, oh, sort of, you know, spores um, in Bishop. And he's actually now got, a, you know, and, and in the intervening months that the Sulaco has, has been traveling back to Earth, he's actually developed almost a full-size alien egg inside, you know, um, inside his cryopod. So they then sort of, you know, basically yeah, the space commies then, you know, get their own, you know, this, get, the space commies then get an alien, you know, are able to get a sample of an alien, take it back to their research facility, and then the ship continues on, uh, and then uh, the Sulaco continues on where it gets, uh, it, where it gets um, brought back to a, a station called Anchor Point, where, of course, yeah, you know, bishops, bishops, uh, bishop and the rest of the ship, which still have sort of uh, resources to produce an alien, are still um, on board the, um, sorry, I'll start, start again. So um, the Sulaco then gets taken back to this uh, station called Anchor Point, where the resources that it has on board, like things like, you know, alien uh, material are then used to produce, oh, uh, then used to try to um, engineer an alien and then, you know, and then things progress how you would imagine an alien film would progress, right? You know, all the shouting and the screaming and and people being torn apart. Um, and of course, you know, obviously in the end that didn't happen by the time they were getting into producing the film, the, um, the Soviet Union actually collapsed. So the idea of communists, you know, of a massive communist block in space versus a sort of a capitalist slash free block in space was now incredibly dated. So they went, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to go ahead with this script. And they took it in a different direction. But this version of the Alien Universe has said, no, no, we're going to take that and run with it. So there's a large chunk of alien space of sort of, sort of um, you know, space within the alien, within the alien um, universe that is now run by the Union of Progressive Peoples. And Anchor Point Station is kind of des almost designed to be this sort of hub space for the characters to travel sort of to and from. There's, there's a bit in there about going back to Earth. But for me personally, I always kind of wanted Earth or, you know, when I'm going to, when I intend to run this game and, oh boy, do I intend to run this game, that Earth is going to be this planet that, you know, people remember people came from, but I don't actually think the characters are ever actually going to go to. Or it might end up being going back to Earth to be this goal that you sort of, that you aspire to and maybe, one, you know, if you survive the campaign, you actually end up, yeah, you go back to Earth. That's kind of where... That's also where the series leaves Ripley at the end of uh, spoiler alert for a twenty five year old film. But yeah, that's that's where the series leaves Ripley when she finally goes back to Earth. I I can kind of imagine Earth being where like with with a world of big corporations, Earth is where you have your head office, right? Yeah, and everywhere else is considered the rural sticks of like it's space, you know, corporations. Yeah, they're only interested in what they can exploit out of it uh, rather than actually sending their executives out there oh gross terrible idea yeah 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 absolutely um now another element that they've put into this which i'm less over the moon about um uh so so after after they'd gotten after they they shuffled william gibson you know after they said yeah you've, you've written a great script and it is a great script it's available online and you should check it out um after they they sort of they they got they they moved on from gibson uh, they settled on a new zealand filmmaker called vincent ward and he came up with a script which is the bones of what you see in Alien 3. You know, the idea that Ripley's, Ripley ends up in a space capsule that then gets um, crash lands, you know, and 
which 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 crash lands and brings an alien with it and it's then sort of her plus a group of in this in the first instance devout monks who then have to try to fight the fight a single alien with very little weapons but vincent sward original idea was that you would have these monks who have sort of completely rejected technology and they've built a space station out of wood and what? yeah wood so so the idea there was was that you would basically have this sort of sphere that almost maybe like you know that would be like 20 miles across almost like a very small death star that was all kind of covered in sort of you know like um filigree or not filigree, but you know it was it was kind of covered in in handmade religious iconography you know on this massive massive scale if you're fans of 40 warhammer 40,000 i think you sort of know the sort of imagery that we're sort of talking about you know um and yeah so it this thing crash landed on this planet on this station made out of wood in space and then stuff happened you know you know and then hilarity ensures in the alien movie does um now that it's a it's a I mean, if you're thinking in any way scientifically, you just sort of go, Wah! but it maybe would have made for some really interesting imagery. And the designers of this game have said, no, no, this this uh, wood planet, you know, this this sort of wood space station exists as as a potential setting in this version, in this in um, Alien the role playing game. You can go and visit it. And yeah, it's, it's got monks who are anti technology. And yeah, you know, it it sort of proposes a couple of things about what would happen if if aliens showed up there. Um, for me personally, it's always been a concept that I thought, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. And I kind of feel like, you know, it's one of those things where style overrides sort of, you know, style overrides, um, uh, what would you call it, Rash, you know, uh, you know, sort of sort of uh, rational logical thought. Now you you can make the argument that aliens done that a couple of times where. You know, particularly in the first film, where you've got sort of these long stretches of, you know, like like uh, or when when Brett is killed and he sort of puts his face almost in the rain, and there's this long sort of dripping stream of water that he then pauses, and then the alien comes out of. You can make the argument of why is there a long dripping stream of water within this ship, and the argument is, oh, who gives a shit? It looks cool, but for me, this this concept would have stretched that way too far. Particularly if you have the idea of well, there's multiple planets, and if you don't believe in if you don't believe in technology, why wouldn't we have just dumped you on a on a planet? Which is, I think, where they ultimately went with because you know they've sort of taken the idea of you know Ripley by herself plus an alien with a group of you know in this case they've they've slotted out you know the wood planet for an, for a regular planet for Fury One Six One, and you know this isolated group who uh, this isolated group. Are no longer monks; they're now prisoners, which is how we got to Alien Three. So um, they've, they've included what we can basically summarize here is they've included a lot of things, but also kind of kind of combined it into one workable universe. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I haven't read any of the extended stuff? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've read I've read more or less all of it. So yeah, don't worry, I'm, I'm sure we can. Um, now the yeah. one thing now another another little point that I, I I this is something that I just absolutely love that they've done. The one hanging thread from all the alien movies, and it was it was something that I just found incredibly bizarre that no one went back to it. The the one hanging thread was always what happened to the original alien derelict on LV four twenty six. Right? It was it was something that um, yeah, it was something that um, 
the film's never touched on. You know, the film's never said what happened. But in this, in, but in this game, they say right. You know, the, the they say if you want to go back to LV four twenty six, there's this wonderful little um, aside that says the fate of the alien derelict is entirely up to you. They haven't written sort of you know any well this you know X Y and Z happened. They leave it entirely in your hands as a as uh, the GM, and I love that because you know obviously that's a thread that I I as a GM would intend to pull on. Now you've just said GM. You've just made me remember they don't, the wonderful yeah. term that they called the GMs. You called a games mother in this. Yeah, system. yeah, that's true. That's that's it's quite quite a nice little uh, a little thing to say. It's 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 a bit of fun. I do kind of like that. Um, for me personally, I do get. Oh, it's like every every single. Um, it seems like a lot of different games want to almost reinvent the wheel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where yeah, but it, it they've, yeah, they've yeah, used yeah. GM and they've just kind of put their own little twist on it. So everyone calls it a GM anyway. So I I call it a GM even even as a guy who who almost exclusively runs you know vampire or you know or world of darkness stuff where it's like no no you're a storyteller i'm a gm but anyway moving on yeah it was a anyway, it was so. a neat move on their part um yeah and you you mentioned the uh uh the the planet where um uh, had these hope is on uh i'm not very i'm not very good that's that's the one with the the alien ship because that'll be 426 yeah that actually features in one of the i think it's both of the included LB something 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 is 426. Cool. Cinematic play scenario yeah. in the book. Um, <laughs> yeah, this uh, actually it's a good way to lead into this part of the the two different game modes. So yeah, James, you want to talk yeah. about the game modes? So yeah, there's um there's a campaign mode kind of like we we've covered that like there's a couple of different ways you can do it as like space truckers or marines or I think there's like a company thing like a company oh, yeah. tree. Um, but, uh, they're, they're sort of bog standard colonists. So you know, here we are settling a settling a barely habitable piece of rock. You know, a uh, hundred light years from home, and also also there's some elements from uh, the Alien Isolation video game where you can play as Colonial Marshals. Yeah. So the the characters are Colonial Marine, Colonial Marshal, Company Agent, mm-hmm. Kid, Medic, Officer, Pilot, Roughneck, and Scientist. Yeah. So, like it's a yeah, you know, it's a it's a good just like grab bag of, of people, and you know you can pl- you can pick these and go through a campaign and you know go that week uh, like week to week session to session. But there's also this cinematic play, which is really trying to reflect the way the movies are structured. You have it broken down into acts. Um, one of the interesting things with the cinematic play is that you uh, each of your characters has a an agenda. And in cinematic play, your agenda is hidden from the others. So each act, the uh, the GM is meant to assess kind of how you've acted towards your uh, your agenda, and then give you story points for it, which basically let you force a success or add a success to a role. Um, but that means that if you're playing, like if the GM has set up this thing where one of you is a traitorous company snake, uh, yeah, who's, you know. Your goal is to get someone infected and get them back on the spaceship. Like, yeah. If you have a group of players who are, you know, they're all kind of just gently nice people and don't really want to mess everyone up. It's like mm. you might have like, oh, there's just there's just no conflict. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can kind of use that to be like, yes, 
I'm yeah, kind of you think? incentivizing <laughs> you to role play the things and actually mm. get into situations where your characters are conflicting and that will build the stress and because the game has its stress mechanics um mm. that all now blossoms wonderfully yeah now just yeah. now just now just, very, now just very quickly when we say sort of so so the game has two modes so sort of cinematic and campaign cinematic is more designed to be played in a night or you know a single yeah, it's, session it's their version of a one shot yeah 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 well, um, um i'm a one shot so in this and it, it almost becomes almost like a competition to see who can who can survive to the end and be that final person who sort of makes the you know uh, we encountered, you know, who, who's sort of sitting, sitting in in an escape pod, going. We encountered an, you know, you know, um, an alien. It butchered everyone. This is Jenkins signing off. And yeah, that's you know, one also thing which is quite important in this cinematic is your characters yeah. will die. Yeah, yeah, they but, will, but, but will die. They will. So. They are totally going to die. But what yeah. I like about this is, is so a lot of the things, and again, coming at this from from a World of Darkness player. A lot of the things which are, you know, bugs that can potentially crash the system in campaign games, i.e. having players with hidden dark, you know, you know, hidden dark um, agendas, which are counter to the rest of the group. So I've seen them destroy so many World of Darkness games. In cinematic play, those are a feature. And and um, and in particular, what I love in, in and this works, I, I would be horrified if, if, if to drop this into cinematic. But sorry, I'm um, to drop this into campaign play. But in cinematic, you can have a player be a hidden android. That'd be cool. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 you have you have a you know and and you essentially have a character sheet which has got regular human stats. And then when something happens to reveal yourself, well, you hand over your previous character sheet, and you now get handed that no, no, I'm actually you know, I'm actually David one one seven or something, and now I'm coming to, and now I'm I'm executing my agenda to obtain a space hugger, and you all get to die. So um, one thing cinematic cinematic play does do um, is it does bring in conflicts within the within the player characters. So a lot of the storytelling yeah. that you'll see in cinematic mode is the interaction between the players as weird shit starts to happen in the game, as people start to die, as as you start to work out kind of maybe there's everyone's not quite who they seem. You start to see the fear and the stress adding up. And you get this conflict with the players, and that's that's actually um, one of the key things I think within cinematic is it's not just we're all working together for the same thing to try and defeat this alien. It's like no, you're all individuals just trying to survive, and other people might be trying to screw you up. Um, but one thing that is also with this is if it all goes badly wrong in a game, you can die pretty quickly. So oh my god, the GM should definitely prepare some NPCs. So you, if, if they die within the first half hour and the game's meant to last four hours, you can throw an NPC at the at the, the player and go, don't worry, you can still take part in the game. You're not, you've, I've not just wasted your entire evening for 30 minutes. So um, do as a, as a GM, do make sure that even when their characters die, they still have something to do. Um, and campaign mode, obviously, nobody... You shouldn't kill them as quickly. <laughs> so... But that kind of brings us nicely into the idea, the key themes of the game, um, and kind of some of the things that should be talked about as you play the game. So your characters are going to die. This is a space horror game. It is horror. Um, so there should be some consent and safety talk before you you kind of actually delve into the game with people. What what kind of levels are people comfortable with? This is space horror. This this is 
the whole the whole thing of no one in no one can hear you scream in space because it's emptiness. So there's vast vast swathes of nothing in space. Are people going to feel comfortable with being trapped in a small claustrophobic ship with no contact to anybody or anything? So you've got claustrophobia and agoraphobia there being cut off from people. That is quite a, a for some people can be quite upsetting. You are going to be hunted in darkness. Again, that's probably not going to be nice for some people. Some people would be okay with it. But most of it is obviously body horror and gore um, as the aliens rip people in half. Yeah, you've also you've also got with sort of the alien life cycle, and this was this you could argue why this was so this was so kind of why why it was uh, why it was so visceral the reaction to the first film is yeah it, it, there's also some overlap with the idea of oh well, i suppose you know it's literally sexual assault and sort of you know penetration and that sort of thing um you know with the alien life cycle and whatnot so yeah you need to you would definitely need to be careful with you know sort of where you go with that yeah also remember this, this is, it, it's a sci-fi game so it's, it's in the future so you can you can have some a lot of fun with with sci-fi and the spaceships and, and things and there's a sense of wonder because it's an early universe. It's an early kind of exploration of the stars within the human idea of space exploration. So yeah. you will also have a sense of wonder as the characters yeah. kind of going out to the frontier of, of things. Some ways you can kind of think of a, of a Wild West kind of space adventure to some extent yeah. with yeah. this um, element of, of pure terror. How do you how do you guys feel about sort of and yeah but this is this is this is maybe a little bit of an aside won't go too long. How do you guys feel about sort of applying some of the thinking and the thought behind behind Call of Cthulhu or the sort of looking at this game in some ways as Call of Cthulhu in space? You know, sort of sort of in that you know you're out there you know on the edge and you're going to come across sort of this ancient unknowable you know elements of the cosmos and they are going to screw you up in some way, shape or form, if not physically destroy you mentally. Like, I definitely think the, like, the way they've got the, the stress system set up, the way they've got the cinematic play, I think you could do some of that kind of, like, cosmic horror, mythosy kind of stuff, because yeah. you're, it's, it's people getting to a stage where they, you know, uh, there's tensions, there's stress, they break down and just trying to survive it. And I think... Like alien is a thing where really, you know, these things massively outclass you as an individual yeah. human. Um, and that's kind of a large thing with the the cosmic horror. You know, these these yeah. creatures are so strange that you are insignificant specs in comparison. Yeah. Um, Do you but, would you would you agree with the ascension? This is this is an assumption, but would you agree with or do you agree with the belief that maybe Alien was maybe one of the first Almost, almost Lovecraftian story, you know, stories successfully translated to film. Um, ooh, I, I'm, I'm not a great enough film buff, I think, to to know myself so well. Like, I picked up, I didn't realize I liked horror until like I was in one of my kind of mid uni phase, and I was like, oh yeah, no, I love all this stuff. But I, so my, I picked it all up in a really spotty way. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, my my mental timeline is all over the place um all right, all right. but i yeah i definitely think like there's they've got they've got such a weird law and they've i mean their, their life cycle has this stage with like face hugger to alien and that is like you have an intermediate thing like nothing nothing else does that it is it is alien beyond our knowing and that 
yeah. that does fit into a like that whole it's indescribable it's unknowable these things are they are alien to us yeah yeah and it's um, it's it's a it's a force of nature which is which is something that that ash states in the first film that you know it's it's pure you know it's 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 just it's going to do what it's going to do and we really can't you know the most we can hope for is is a quick death essentially some very strong lovecraftian overtones with that kind of unknowable where where have they come from unknowable horrors that don't that are truly alien that that looking through um biological life forms on earth there is nothing that i can personally think of that matches that Um, i'm not a biologist i'm a physicist astrophysicist so i get the space bit um but i don't get the biology bit so i'm sure there's Um, some things that might be similar uh, but not so much there there is and um there's uh the guys who originally wrote this one dan o'bannon um when he first because in his original version of the script um, they brought the uh, they brought the space jockey's skull back onto the ship with them, and then it grew into an alien that killed them. Um, and they were like, "Well, that's a bit sort of lame." But um, what they had then originally, one of them, I think uh, Dan O'Bannon, uh, was talking to his writing partner, a guy called Ron Suchet, and he um, remembered reading about a particular type of wasp that actually lays its young inside a spider. Uh, I think it's a, and he said, "Well, what if we use that idea?" Things like that. It's yeah, kind yeah. of that intermediate stage, though, isn't? There's that weird within the alien morphology. Like one of the aliens in the actual best stream, it kind of takes you through, and you can face each multiple layers of life that it exists. Um, yeah, yeah, you start yeah. Off and, with the and, egg, and, and then you get the face hugger, which then implants itself in a human body, comes out as the xenomorph that we know, or the neomorph, which then turns into the xenomorph. There's loads of yeah. different kind of levels within it. And, so, uh, and again, that's actually that's actually a little bit some of the stuff from the um, from the extended universe, and also from some concepts which were developed but uh, dropped for budget reasons. Like um, they they actually drop in the white drone, which was an idea that Cameron originally had, who was which was an alien that doesn't fight. It doesn't have sort of a secondary jaw. It's got this long tail. Sorry, it's it's got this long tongue which it uses to make all the resin and it, it's essentially there to serve the queen that shows up in the game so it's, it's kind of, there is a lot that we can go on with this but um let's move on to the actual system itself now um let's talk some rules so this is a free league game um and much like the tales from the loop and things from the flood that me and james and chris talked about a couple of episodes ago it uses the year zero um system um, so you're looking at dice pools of D6s and looking for six, uh, sixes for a success, um, usually only needing one six. So, um, James, do you want to have a, a, a quick go at the extra bits? Because we've got things like stress and panic that are involved in this. So it turns yeah, from the loop. Sure. Some other yeah, stuff I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, this is, this is my first free league game. So this is my first introduction to the system. So uh, are you guys sort of saying that, so things like the stress mechanic was specifically added to this, or it showed up in a different format in Mutant Year Zero or in Tales from the Flood? It's not in Tales. Yeah, so it's, it's stress and panic and not in Tales from the Loop or things from the Flood. If my memory serves me rightly, I do have Mutant Year Zero, um, but I read that a while ago and I can't really remember there might be something like this I can't remember off the top of my head so I think stress and panic is specifically been brought into 
aliens. Yeah. So James, do you want to describe stress and panic for us? Yeah. So if you if you happen to be rolling, you know, you, you roll your pool and you see if you've got any successes and things. Maybe you don't get any successes on the the two dice you've rolled. So you can decide to push that roll um, and you add one stress to your character or you add one to your stress level. Um, and that means that you roll your two initial dice where you're only looking for sixes, but you also roll one stress dice. Now, if the stress dice comes up with a six, great, that's a success. But your stress dice, you're also paying attention to the the ones. If you roll a one on your stress dice, you suffer panic. Um, but this means that stress actually makes you better at doing things. I kind of think of it as like the surge of adrenaline. Like your your character's trying to prize a door open. Well, you know, if you're actually like, yes, I'm prizing this door open because I think there is something behind me that's going to kill me you're going to throw a bit more into it but also you become that little bit more kind of erratic you're more likely to to make a mistake um and i do feel like you know mechanically i feel that's quite nice and elegant like as a designer i was just like oh yeah mm, really wonderful story way to as you say build that level of fear that yeah. the character's going that description there is is almost perfect like when people get these um you hear these stories where people have these massive feats of strength because they're in these dire situations. Kind of gives that kind of feel to it. And then, yeah, you've got something breathing down your neck. Yeah. Um, con con conceptually, it reminds me very much of V5's hunger dice mechanic as well, where you've where you can sort where you've got this sort of almost this sort of gambling element to it, where you can keep adding stress, which gives you more dice. But it's it has you know but the more dice that you add because I, I forget how high you can get your stress up to I think you I think I think sort of the sky's the limit I believe I could be wrong but you know the more stress you have the more likely you are when you roll it to see those ones come up and yeah. you know and the higher your stress level the more likely it is you are either going to just sort of completely lose it because if you if you do have a stress token come up or you know a stress symbol come up. I think it's you then need to roll on the stress table, mm -hmm. and I think it's something like, like like the lower levels of the stress table because I think it's it's um you roll a d6 plus you add your panic level to get a final number, and I think it's something like one to seven are you just sort of grit your teeth and you're like nope not going to freak out with everything above that level becoming progressively worse. I think all the way up to just you go bez completely berserk, you know you know attacking everyone everyone that you're able to all the way up to you fall catatonic. Yeah, and some of those levels as well cause people who can see you to have stress reactions um, or increase the stress levels of people around you. So you can get to this point where there's, you know, everyone's nervous and on edge and that starts making everyone worse. So that, that plays back a little bit to almost the hidden agendas to actually get that interplayer conflict. Like if someone's acting if someone's really dangerous, like maybe we get them to stay behind because they're, you know, they're sitting there going like, we're all going to die, man. Game over, game over. And you're like, yeah, can you do that over there, please? Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, one of the, yeah, so um, the stress mechanic is is brilliant and um, adds such a level of storytelling to it and, and realism to the fear that you'll be building up hopefully for your players as, as they're hunted by these unknown entities. But one thing that, um, again, this is kind of across the entire free league system, 
is the game really does encourage you not to roll very often. Um, the idea you've got to try and role play a lot of the situations for first. You only roll when it's absolutely necessary. Try and avoid p making people roll a lot because, as we just said, with the stress system, it can ramp up very, very quickly and everybody can suddenly become very, very stressed and probably end up killing each other and, and defeat the point of the story and developing the story. Um, having just played for, um, things from the flood, it works really, really well because of the way the game is designed. You don't need to, to roll every 30 seconds for something. I think the first session that I rolled, I, I ran with things from the flood. Nobody actually rolled a dice. For the entire session, nobody rolled a dice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, this was over, I think it was over about two and a half, two and a half hours or so. So it was a, it was a short session, um, but it was all about the interactions with the characters. So it was a social scene within things from the flood and kind of like setting up the group and how they all know each other. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of nice. Um, but then again, throughout the rest of the game, uh, the rest of the um, story, there was maybe everyone got to roll the dice maybe two or three times during the session. So very, very little rolling. Um, but it's certainly when you do roll those dice, it really makes it feel like it's important and something, you know that something big is going to happen or you're going to find out something important rather than oh, I'm just rolling dice because that's what we do in role play games. So um, it's that's something which is very much across um, all the year zero kind of games. And I'm expecting it to happen in the the new one they've got coming, which I've forgotten the name of, Vesten or something like that, the Nordic horror one. Um, but yeah, anyway. So talking about not rolling dice, we're now going to talk about combat, which is about rolling dice. So um, who wants to talk about some combat? Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, so yeah, combat is, uh, combat is super dangerous. Um, obviously, you know, you're fighting, you're fighting xenomorphs, uh, or, you know, not always xenomorphs, but like, if you get shot, you're, uh, you're, you're kind of frail as human beings. Like you don't have a, uh, you don't have a lot of hit points. You're not going to survive a huge amount of damage. Um, so, as we mentioned when talking about the uh, the somatic play, like you you can get knocked out really quickly. Um, I mean, an alien uh, the aliens as well are dangerous enough that uh, if you reduce one to the point where it should die, they have a kind of reaction table and about half of the reaction table is the alien's not actually dead. It's going to come up and kill you, or the alien's just playing dead. Um, uh, so, you know, even when you're at a point where you think you might be victorious in combat, it's still still possible to die in the aftermath. And, I mean, having watched Aliens recently, you know, a lot of those guys, they're like, yeah, we shot it! And then they, they get acided up. Um, it goes very badly. Um combat is lethal. And remember, like most of the, 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 the characters that you're going to play, they're not combat-based characters. So they're not going to be walking around in armor and things that you are going to be playing scientists and, and uh, bleh, company men and stuff. So they're not going to be used to fighting so or built to survive. So getting hit by one of these big, big ass scary alien things is uh, um, not going to do you much good. So um, the way damage works is um, you roll your dice, and any success um, generally counts as a point of damage over, uh, above and over your armor value. So if, if the Xenomorph is attacking you, maybe you've got one point of armor and they roll three sixes, that's two points of damage you're going to take. And if you've only got 
three health points, three, three or four health points, that's really, really going to hurt you. So uh, one way that you can kind of reduce this is by doing what's known as a reaction action, or a react, I think that's what it's called, um, called blocking. This actually uses up one of your actions for your next go, but it does reduce the amount of damage you can take. Um, but yeah, you really don't really want to be taking these things on in combat. Um, yeah, even 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 the sort of combat specific characters, you know, are, you are going to go down. That's that's actually you know, and that, again, that's something that you know you might look at and you go, oh, that's not a lot of fun. But you're like, well, it, it it's representative of what we've seen on screen. You know, even when when the aliens went up against the Marines that first time, they completely decimated them. So that's sort of what's going to happen. Um, just to, to one of your previous points that I really liked, um, I love the idea that, yeah, you know, that, that even after you think, yeah, the alien goes down, but it's just sort of playing possum or it's got this final last burst of strength before it dies, I would do everything in my power to make sure that my players don't know that, to make <laughs> sure that my players haven't, you know, opened up the book and, you know, and, and, and read the alien rules. Because, you know, look, uh, I suppose, you know, you could argue, well, Pete, you just need to get better players. But, you know, even even with, you know, conscious or unconscious metagaming, I would want to keep that in my in my bag of tricks, you know, for as long as possible so I could surprise them on the table with, yeah, you shoot it, 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 it hits the ground, well, we go to move on. And then, no, it springs up and it, and it bites your leg off. The, the, joy, the joys of having hidden hidden dice rolls for uh, GMs uh, is the wonderful thing on those that and things like that. Yeah. So. Or one one of that one alien dies, and you, they hear some skittering from further down the corner. So they need to run very very quickly and don't get time to do anything. Mm. Force them away from it, and then see what happens. So. I even I, I even like the idea of them um, killing an alien, having it hit the ground, and then you know for whatever reason they move away, and then they come back to the space, and it's and the the corpse that they thought they left there is now gone, but not with a melted hole in the ground like there are in the movies. Um, exactly. So Exactly. So I think, was it dead? I'm like, oh. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So um, as we're talking about moving around kind of spaceships and, and space stations and, and things now, um, the way that this game does, it does in a way rely on you having maps because you're going to be walking around the, these uh, space stations. You're going to be walking around space, quite large spaceships with corridors and things. And for visualization, to know where things are and actually remember the layout of a spaceship. Um, it does, it, the book does say you to use maps to represent this. And it uses a concept of zones. So kind of in a way similar to what me and Chris talked about, the Age of Sigma Soulbound system where they have a concept of zones for movement and stuff. This uses something similar. Um, so each corridor would be a zone each room would be a zone and you can move between the zones. So rather than saying, I'm going to move two meters, I move from this zone to that zone. And having a map on the table so you can show the layout of the ship really helps with this concept. Um, and within that movement stuff, then we also end up with something called stealth mode. And this, I'm, I kind of, I like the idea of it, but I'm not sure I like the way that they've done it because um, it effectively turns it into a tabletop miniatures game in a way um you are moving around the board you're moving around the ship you get to move from zone to zone and there are active and passive bad guys or aliens or something on the ship and you have to kind of move to one zone search it 
move to the next zone search. It kind of a bit more old school D&D-esque. Um, the idea of actually having to creep around and find things in, in this world um, where something is hunting you is really, really cool. And I do like it. I'm just not so sure on the mechanics for, for it for me. Um, but it does. it is something that kind of the aliens are sneaky. Um, so yeah, are, you are going to have to kind of, they are going to be stealthing around. You're not going to find them until they jump on top of you. Yeah. So, I'm, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I think it's, I think it's, it's a little bit of a, I think it's a, I, th- I think it's maybe, and also maybe pulling out the, the, the board gamey elements maybe might cut the tension a little bit. I, I kind of want the yeah. players. Yeah. You know, I kind of want the players to have the tension of, you know, of or essentially just just giving them pings, you know, just giving them pings from the motion tracker. Yeah, you know that 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 they know something's out there. Whereas when you pull out a map, they can be like, oh yeah, because because the map kind of gives them a god's eye view that the characters don't have. Yeah, um, yeah, and that really, when you bring in that stealth mode, you suddenly end up with that god's eye view of I'm just going to creep around this little corner so I can look around. It's like you end up with this kind of meta tabletop board gaming aspect, which. Mm, yeah, I <laughs> much prefer the idea of storytelling. It's like you're walking down, you're creeping down the corridor. It's dark. The lights are flashing. You're hearing a buzz of an electric thing down there, down in front of you. And suddenly you hear some skittering behind you and your your motion tracker beeps once and then it's gone. Yeah. And leave it like that. Don't don't kind of yeah, complicate yeah. it. Kind of bring it into yeah, the, yeah, the story, yeah. story aspect. Absol- kind of where I was going with that. Absolutely. You go like, you know, yeah, the, um, the motion tracker beeps have an extra stress <laughs> and you know everyone's on edge yeah i, I like that also yes yeah, yeah. and yeah yeah for, for me personally i would actually like uh, I, i'm relatively certain the fans have all made soundboards and things for this so yes. you know through yeah yeah you know so 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 through my tablet i would you know as the gm i would just you know make that that very iconic sort of i'm not gonna make it with my voice but i would make that that very iconic you know sort of <laughs> so i did you know so, you know that yeah. noise of yeah you know motion tracker ping and like, what was that? And you're like, motion tracker ping something, you know, and to sort of put those little elements in there, I think, I think would be a lot of fun at the table. It's just made me remember playing um, the first Alien versus Predator computer game. And I played it about three o'clock <laughs> in the morning <laughs> one day. Oh, what fun. And I had surround sound on. <laughs> and you can hear the alien actually run behind you at points if you're playing the Marines. Oh, yeah. Doing that with a, with a group would be really cool. Actually have surround sound system set up around your group. <laughs> where you can play the sound around them so they actually think that the uh the, the aliens are in the room hunting them turn the lights down make it dark oh and that, that level of fear that would be obviously make sure that's cool with your players um don't just come suddenly yeah. surprise it on them yeah yeah i actually i actually had a very similar um a very similar story with playing yeah of course the original aliens versus predator was a fantastic video game from almost 20 years ago um but i had a very similar story in that when i i, I think i've come home at sort of 1am and my brother has been playing it with headphones on and then I've just ever so slightly tapped him on the back of the head and he has immediately leapt to his feet, he's ripped the headphone jack out of the PC, screamed and woken my mother up. It, for, for, for a game that's what, 20, 20 years old, it really did, um, it was terrifying at points, it was, it oh, was yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's a classic, and it was one of those things that I always I always was really just amazed that yeah when they, when they did sort of a follow up uh, which is Aliens Colonial Marines which the less said the better 
that you know yeah wow somehow you guys spent a hell of a lot more money and had a hell of a lot more resources to make a game that wasn't as good so anyway anyway digressing uh, okay so what's next oh, yeah. uh, I'm, digress. I'm sorry digressing on aliens is something i'm very very good at anyway. so what have we got next on here uh next we did we talk about the xenomorphs and speed ratings yet no we, uh, no we didn't let's discuss it let's go there oh yeah, yeah let's go there so, uh, who wants to talk about Xenomorphs and speed rating? It's not something I I only know it from what's written down here. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. In all honesty, I looked at it last night. I was, I spent much more time, you know, going delving into the lore than I did, sort of, you know, particularly getting getting to know the rules intimately. Oh yeah, so it's this thing, yeah. So um, yeah, so Xenomorphs, um, they all have a speed rating. Um, so humans don't have this, and speed ratings is. Something that allows the aliens to have more than one turn in a round. It, it reminded um, me a little. It, it reminds me a little bit of old world of old world of darkness celerity. So, um, yeah, the, actually, we're, we're backing up the truck a little bit. So, we'll talk a little bit about the initiative system, which I'm not a massive fan of. No, me that, neither. In that, in me that neither. you've got in that you've got a numbered card deck, and you shuffle the card deck. Your players draw cards. And that tells them when they go during a round. Now, the alien, according to its speed rating, so I think you're going to end up with aliens with the speed rating of, I think, something like two or three, and that's how many cards they get. So an individual alien may end up with, you know, with uh, sort of two initiative cards, which give them essentially, you know, multiple actions per round. Now, my question with this, because I couldn't... uh, I I quickly looked over it again early today. I've not read the book for... A while and had a quick view over it today. Is You're all right. Do with withdrawing the cards. Obviously, you've only got ten cards. So if you have five people and they're maybe going to face two aliens, and each alien has speed of two, that's nine cards. So do you draw it, reshuffle it, and then draw, uh, put put the card back in, and then shuffle it so everybody gets the same the chance of drawing the same number, or is it just from that one deck? Because if it's from that one deck, as far as I can tell. So, so, and, yeah. and I seem to, and, and I seem to recall that unless you've got, there is sort of a specific, okay, so the more successes you get um, when you, um, when you roll, um, the more you can either add on additional damage or you can sort of choose to improve, or you can choose to do a, what they call make a little stunt. And one of the stunts you can do is you essentially, you can essentially swap a, swap. A, you can um, swap initiatives and, around, yeah. You can swap initiatives around, but but they do specifically say you draw initiative once, and that's it for that particular for that particular um, uh, session of combat. Yeah. So the swap initiative is you swap it with another player. Yeah. You don't redraw. No, you don't redraw. So, but but I, I believe you can. Uh, I don't know if that works for aliens. Again, I, I, yeah, I would need to. I would need to quickly look it up, and we're having far too much fun talking. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 but yeah, the alien. So the alien moves a hell of a lot, and oh boy, can they screw you up? Having an, having an, an alien attack you twice, having like two, two, two turns in a in a round in a round is is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, the and the aliens have a special um d six attack table, which is literally you roll a d six, and I think six is it crushes your skull, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Just, just bam. Um, so very quickly, what I'm, what I'm going to say, um, one of the rules that I absolutely love in this game 
um, is regarding ammunition and stress. So it doesn't have, yeah. the game does yeah, yeah, the game doesn't want you to be tracking how many bullets you've got in your pulse rifle, how many bullets you've got in your pistol, you know, any of that junk. Essentially, the only time your gun will run out of ammo is if you're using it is if you're using it in a role and you um, and, and a stress symbol comes up. And that is to basically a symbol that, yeah, you haven't been paying proper attention. You've been, and so you've, you've rocked out on full auto or whatever, and the gun clicks dry. And then you need to, then you need to, you know, if you want to keep using it, you need to spend, I think it's, you need to spend a long action next turn reloading. Um, and what I, what I, so I absolutely love that, but you, all you need to do is, keep track of how many reloads you have on you. So rather than going, well, you know, I've got, I have 400 rounds because I've got, you know, a clip in the gun and then three clips on my, on my hip. You just go, yeah, I've got three clips. Um, the, the little wrinkle that they've added to that is because androids don't have the stress mechanic because they're androids, they never run out of ammo if they're shooting <laughs> because they're like, yeah, I don't, I just, you know, I'm, I have, I'm an android and I can track, how many bullets are firing out and you can make the argument that when they're not shooting they've you know, they're just reloading when they're not thinking about it much much like you know uh, the terminator yeah i i guess so you know they're always that they, they always know you know i know my gun has like bit like you know 50 rounds in this clip and i know i fired exactly 33 because i counted <laughs> yes yep because because that's something i can do because i'm an android yeah yeah, like that. It was it. It yeah. When I when I hit that in the book, I was just like, oh, that that was just another crunchy little like. Nugget. I love it. Yes, I I completely love it. And the fact that it does trigger the panic attack as well. So you're um you're firing, and then suddenly your gun clicks, and like in the middle of a combat, yes, that's gonna stress you out. Like it's you know, I was using this. Thank you very much. And now I yeah. I can't. Um, but is it, yeah, and, and, and the act of going full auto, yes it, yes, it gives you more dice, you know, when it comes to determining damage. But I think just the, just the very act of going full auto gives you an immediate, um, you know, ups your stress level by one, even, even if you're a hardened Marine. Though I think there's a special ability you can unlock, which, you know, as a hardened Marine, that means you don't incur stress by going full auto, I think off the top of my head. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. Um. So uh, yeah, um, do we uh, do want to space combat? Uh, no, actually. Okay, so this is this is my one sort of criticism about the game. Well, not so much about game. Um, about the core book in that it's got a full sort of space combat system. It's got a full system for yeah, you know, you guys are you guys or you know for the players are flying along and let's say for example for a in the same sort of frigate that the Sulaco was. And it has a it has a full rule system for sidling up alongside another ship and you know shooting at them with your with your space based railguns and lasers. I'm like, all right, cool. It's not something that's ever been depicted in the in the movies. And I'm just, I mean, I'm glad it's there. But for me personally, I couldn't ever imagine using it in a game. Like I would, I would sort of have, I don't know, like I would have. The, the player character showing up to the aftermath of a big space battle and then having to enter, you know, enter a crippled ship, maybe. But I just could never really imagine using it. And I kind of feel like they should have left this for a supplement. 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of feelings. Though it's like I'm, as I say, I'm an astrophysicist. I know how vast space actually is. Oh yeah. Well, two spaceships to randomly come across each other in a in a setting like this, which is kind of trying to be more true to a lot of kind of science. You know, not science, but more kind of realistic than something like Star Trek or Star Wars. Vaguely, Um, yeah. Yeah. To, for two spaceships that, when you're traveling, you're traveling in hype. You, you, you're traveling through uh, sleep. You're sleeping. For these two ships to, to to run into each other and have a combat doesn't really fit in the vast emptiness that they've kind of tried to theme the thing around. Yeah. Also, um, yeah. Also, maybe they're trying to attack a space station. So, like um, anchor yeah, yeah, point yeah. that might work. But again, that's probably going to be something bigger. But yeah, and, and and also in in a little similar way that you that, that you feel like you know pulling out the maps and doing sort of the stealth movement stuff maybe pulls you away from the from the horror aspect. I think yeah. sort of you know taking a big pause of midway through the game. So let's play a round of Battlefield Gothic. Does this you know yeah. has the same effect? So yeah, I would have. I personally don't think the core book. I'm, I'm happy it exists. I personally don't think the core book needs this system and would have left it for a supplement or something. Maybe when they're kind of expanding upon the idea of the corporations themselves or the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the political ideology and the, work, the wars that's going on with them, put it in there, but not in something which is the core, core. system and trying to build the yeah, core yeah. world. So Yeah, yeah. I like And like, yeah, it's just, it's just from my perspective, I would have, you know, I would have liked more like the idea of no, no, you're on board a ship which is being fired upon and you keep the focus on the player characters as they're stressed, you know, moving from, you know, essentially, you know, trying to rush to the escape pods while you've got, you know, sections of your ship that are being struck by high-velocity rounds. I don't know if you remember that, that, I don't know if any of you have watched The Expanse where there's this... One of my favourites. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know. Within the first, within the first season, when they're aboard a ship that is being fired upon, and all of a sudden someone dies because they're struck by a high-velocity railgun round or a yep. piece of debris that's travelling at you know several miles per second, and sort of the horror of that. I would like to, you know, you know, doing, you know, applying the stress rules and things to that as they try to move through the ship to get to an escape pod as all of a sudden, you know, the, sh- the ship is being hulled in certain places and, you know, you've got these, these, you know, you know, there is no safe area until you can get to the escape pod and get off the ship because, you know, well, because physics is a bitch, yo, as, as you know, as high-velocity um, debris is flying through the ship. That, to me, sounds much more interesting than, all right, I'm manning the guns and, you know, I'm trying to broadside, or I think there's broadside, you know, certain things on there. Yeah, you know, that to me sounds much sounds much more much more interesting than you know, as I said, stopping everything to do space combat. But yeah, I can certainly that. see that being played very, yeah. very, very much like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think, James? Do you think we should have space combat or not? So, I think I think with this space combat rules and to a degree with the the stealth rules, I think I think there are there more maybe to support if you're doing this as campaign play rather than maybe the cinematic because in the cinematic you probably have oh, an absolutely. idea of like oh absolutely, absolutely. i have never touch this during cinematic I would, I would never touch space combat during cinematic at all yeah unless, like, unless you're doing the ex- escape from a spaceship maybe maybe <laughs> yeah and e- even then if you're doing it like escape from a spaceship you probably have some like 
beats that you want to hit. So it's less about like, okay, now your ship has taken this much damage. This is going to happen. Um, you know, you you go like, okay, cool. You know, they are in this location, and so something's going to blow up. And conveniently, it blows up at the opposite end to where the escape pods are, so they can actually go running across the ship or whatever. Um, yeah. So I I think you know I think there's a lot of stuff. There is a lot of stuff in the book to support that. There's I mean there's even like there are even even different aliens that aren't the kind of like uh, the xenomorphs. There's just like a whole bunch of other weird aliens that are on other planets. Like there's some great big like burrowing worms and some scorpion things because yeah. they've they've wanted to at least supply something so you can be like. Yeah, you know, if you sit down for a game of, you could sit down for a game of Alien and not have an alien turn up. You know, there are some people who just want to be a gang of uh, colonial marines doing colonial marine stuff. Um, or be a space trucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, I mean, I mean, and that's 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 sort of a, some some of those borrowed elements. That's a little bit from. I mean, I mean, that's a little bit from the Alien Isolation video game where you don't actually see or have to encounter, you know, the Xenomorph for, I think, something like the first, oh, my God, like the first five, six hours where, you know, the, the, thing, that, the thing that you're mostly running from are other people and, um, and uh, androids. Yeah, yeah, ro- rogue androids that have gone nuts. So I'd, I'd be more than happy to have a session or a bunch of sessions of playing this where we didn't encounter the alien, you know, anything resembling an alien, just sort of facing off against, yeah, you know, those those wonderful Segerson, um androids. Have, have either of you played Alien Isolation? No. Yeah. So well, one has, one hasn't. Um, yeah, the Segerson androids are very similar. Um, what are they, the Autons or something from Doctor Who, where they're just, where they're just kind of, you know, the shitty home brand androids that don't even try to look human. They're just sort of these terrifying-looking rubber-faced almost mannequins that you can give menial tasks to who are being controlled centrally by a computer. And when that computer goes nuts, all they're, they're, they're choking people to death. And, you know, while, while they quietly, you know, want to talk to them about safety, it's just, oh, it's disquieting. And I, I love that. One of my favourite element from Alien Isolation. One thing this, this book has done well is it does, it does set it up nicely so you can play a, a, a game where there's a campaign or cinematic mode, which doesn't involve the alien. It doesn't have to be every time you play this game, oh, it's another alien. Oh, it's another xenomorph. Oh, we're going to die. No, throw in some political corruption. There is a war going on between um, the United Americas and the Union of Progressive Peoples happening at the moment. So Space commies, bring, yeah. Yes, you can, you can bring in concepts like that or maybe being sabotaged by a different corporation and... and one of the, the NPCs is the saboteur and they're, they're, they're slowly destroying your ship. Mm. There are other ways that you can play this game. It's not purely about the alien itself. Yeah, and that's and and exactly. those modes and, and, and those modes are all Human. very, very yeah, those modes are all very, very true. Of course they're true to the um they're true to the source material. Because, yep. you know, the the alien's gonna alien. So it was always just, you know, the the real bad guy of, of the series it was never the alien you know you could leave the alien you know left the alien alone it would do its thing it was more you know the the corporate bastards who just saw dollar signs and wanted to obtain a specimen and you know damned you know and and anyone who 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 falls in the you know in in their attempts to obtain it is you know an acceptable loss or a write off 
So, you know, just focusing on that, you know, focusing on that, you know, heartless, soulless corporation, which I think is sort of, oh, my God, I think that is, that's truer today than it was when these movies were first, you know, conceived of ago. So, yeah, you can you can have so much scope, you know, you know, running this game and then, you know, just essentially, you know, we're, we're the bad guy, are just, you know, other bastard humans, you know, and their minions with and the alien itself never show up. I, I'd really, really love that. Right. As we're we're kind of going on a bit, we'll quickly do one more session, uh, one more yeah. character stats, like the, the base kind of character creation boring bit. Um, and then we'll kind of take our final views um, of the book. And we'll end there. So um, base characters. Uh, this is, we'll, we'll do this very, very quickly because um, we've kind of covered a bit. So uh, your, your characters, much like the other free league stuff, you have a minimal number of stats. You've got uh, agility, wits, and empathy. So you've only got four stats. Um, and you fill it up by spending, you've got 14 points to spread. You must have a minimum of two in them and up to a maximum of four. However, these wonderful things called Android um, get to have an extra three in two of those stats and can go up to a maximum of eight in one of them. This sounds really cool. And, you, and, and with the ability that they don't get depressed, it kind of makes Android sound um, a little bit OP. However, they can't push roles um, and they can take damage differently, which I didn't look at, so I don't know. Um, on that one um so on re-roll so if they fail at something they fail um on that one um, but it's 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 in the argument of they're not they're not likely to fail because they're rolling yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah hope, hope hopefully yeah but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the other things you as as uh, james has talked about a bit you get a personal agenda now in the cinematic version this is hidden um in the campaign version it can or cannot be hidden um it's up to you there are examples given within the careers, and so you can have those uh, or choose, choose, choose something that you feel that fits. Within the cinematic version, um, one thing it does say you can do is after every act, you can change that personal agenda, that hidden agenda. So maybe they started off um, going, okay, I need to, I, I'm the, the, the bad guy here, I'm the, the corporate man, and I need to implant, get them off the ship. Oh, uh, I can't do that. Do I then have to kill the people who are trying to stop me or do something else and change the agenda as it goes to change the, how the characters are progressing in the story? Um, there is one thing which is I've not seen, I've seen kind of similar things. It's again kind of related to kind of character backgrounds and group building exercises, but they have this uh, nice idea called buddies and rivals. Um, and this is something which can lead to interesting dynamics within the group and player character in, interplay. And so each, each character will have one buddy and one rival from the group. Um, so you'll have someone who, for some reason, you are friendly with and you like them, and one of the other players will be somebody you don't get on with. Um, so that can, again, add into that one uh, idea of player conflict and when the, the the agendas kind of come in how does that work suddenly you find out that your buddy is actually the traitor and the the rival is the one you've now got to work with the person you don't like you've got to work with and help so you can bring in these one uh, group dynamic exercises in a way with that obviously again kind of be careful with this aspect of it make sure you tailor that to your group 
don't push it too much if people are uncomfortable with these the ideas of oh I've got to choose a friend and someone I don't like so uh, make sure that you are kind of aware of how people do interact with each other Um, but it's a nice little way of again building that kind of tension between the players as well so um, I kind of like that Um, add on that very quick section on building characters obviously you've got your skills and abilities which like anything else there's tables full of them in the book yeah uh, they uh, you have the the talents which kind of give you the ability to uh, to kind of customize your character a bit and there's some scope there for you to develop one as well with campaign play um, yeah you know you're not you're not seeing like a level one to twenty character class with feats and special abilities and things. Um, yeah. It's not not that kind of game for it. But you know, you get you get reasonable, reasonably useful things that let you kind of push yourself towards the kind of thing that you want to be doing. Yeah, and um, and managing managing stress in yourself and others are, is also um a, a pretty big one floating around with a lot of the abilities that you can pick up as as your characters progress. So, like, I think there's there's a lot of, like, sort of command abilities um, with among sort of, you know, particularly if you think sort of the Marine area, where you can, you know, where you, you can you can tell Hudson who's about, who's freaking out to sort of keep it together. And then, you know, that he'll immediately have, have, a, have a stress loss. But, yeah, yeah, but there's but there's nothing in there that, you know, that sort of turns you into or there's there's no I'm nothing sure. along the progression track that that would turn you into like a level 20, <laughs> you know, sort of a level 20 fighter in D&D. At yeah. which point, you know, you you can take on the alien. No point is that. Are you ever going to be able to do that? You, you are very much human, and you are very much screwed if you meet an alien. Doesn't matter how good you are. Um, oh no, no, you 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 can totally get lucky. You could totally get lucky and kill the damn thing. But yeah, you know, if you if you think you know within the rules set as written. If you think you're going to be able to pull off a Ripley and be able to sort of run, you know, strap a strap a flamethrower to a to a pulse rifle and walk into the hive from the rule set as written, that's I would bet a lot of money that that's not going to end well. Good luck. Try if you want. Yeah. Uh, let us know how it goes. Yeah, it might be might be fun. There's there's an actual play I would tune in for. It, it might it'll last maybe ten minutes. Well, you could do it the other way, where where the uh, the GM is playing Ripley and all the players are playing the Xenomorphs, and they have to try and kill Ripley. Oh That'd shit! I would, I, would, <laughs> I would play the shit out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So okay, um, we'll go to as we're now about an hour and a half into this. Um, <laughs> final final thoughts on this um, this absolute beast of a game. Uh, it's for me. Um, I, I've recently become quite a quite a nice fan of the free league free league RPGs. Um, they're always incredibly well produced, and they have yeah. a very simple system that they they apply across the different worlds that they've got with their own little tweaks to it. Um, but they their, their production values are outstanding. They they always seem to want to go for the highest beautiful look in the books, and when you're looking through the book, it does. It makes you fit into the IP. Just looking through it, the front cover is like I. Um, it's so I. Uh, what's the word? Um, iconic. It's such an iconic image of the, yeah. the tail wrapping around it. It just you see it and you suddenly go, "Oh crap! Do I really want to play this game? Because I'm going to die." It, um, the 
the cover itself, I mean, you can you can wax lyrical about how I would argue it probably it probably has one of the best covers for an RPG book in terms of conveying sort of tone, theme and mood. I think it's got the best cover on an RPG book probably in the last fifteen years. Like you think about this sort of this you know, this um one it, it incorporates this sort of crescent shape which if you look at the first Alien film, there's just crescents everywhere. And you've got sort of this lone astronaut slowly walking with this sort of ominous alien figure behind him. It's just, you know, so it's always after you. You're moving in, you know, moving forward into the unknown with a pile of skulls. And it just, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like you are going to die. You are going to, you know, moving forward into the unknown. And you have this creeping predator that's constantly after you that you really can't escape. So yeah, I just I think I think the cover's fantastic. But also, yeah, I would I would agree with pretty much everything that you've said. Free League are just carving out their own kind of space within the RPG industry and just producing, you know, producing these these just lovely tabletop artifacts with everything that they do. I have no idea what the art budget is, but this is one of the most beautiful game books that I've ever seen. It is, um, there is not a single dud piece within the book. It's within the first book itself. Everything's sort of wonderfully evocative of the world. And yeah, in many ways, this is, this is sort of the, the, this is alien being getting given the gaming treatment, the RPG treatment that I always to have. I, I think this is a, an absolutely brilliant um, example of an RPG that invokes its source material. Thing free league uh, because of things like things from the flood and tales from the loop, where they the 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 game was built around uh, Simon, I can't remember his name, and built around the actual artwork. So they didn't create the game and they get the artwork. They had the artwork and then created the game. It's given them that emphasis to really make beautiful game. Mm. Um, you see, you're certainly seeing it with the artwork on this. So James, what are your final thoughts on the game? Um, well, I mean, I, yeah, so uh, I, I know we talked about this before we started recording. I can't remember if we talked about it at the moment, but um, <laughs> just the smell of the ink in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, like this, the there's the wonderful, the, the wonderful dark cover, just like black. It's, it is dark, it is shady. You know it's creeping darkness in space where no one can hear you scream. You open that book up. And like the first thing you hit is a star chart. There's like a little, you know, there's a little bit of color in there, but it's dark. Like the pages you hit, like the backgrounds are dark. It is white text on space. And it just, it is like, it's like, it's gorgeous art, but it's also, it's also bleak as heck. Um, it's, uh, it's sci-fi, like the, the way they've got the, um, the text boxes is lovely. Like it just, uh, they've got the right font. Like it's just, it's been really carefully put together, and it's a really nice piece of work. And my God, just like it's, it's such a nice book. I mean, it maybe, maybe it might not lend itself as well to like those like some books where you have great big sections on the side telling you like you're in this bit in big letters and giving you an idea of kind of the structure of the book. But it's just, it's such such an interesting thing to read and i mean the moment chris like uh chris picked it up for me at uh, dragon uh, dragon meet I mean, yeah. um, and ever since then you know i've been i've been mulling over like i i want to run this um 
some yeah a lot of times i buy books and i'm like i want to read this and understand what's going on but the the step between like i'm gonna read this and i'm actually gonna i'm gonna actually play this um this was one that pushed me to you know want to play it it's 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 oh it's 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 been one of the the few games that i've picked up and instantly just fallen in love with um same with i know there's a bit of a thing with it but age of sigma soulbound but i look when i actually saw the rules for that it's just like that's that's brilliant alien is one of those games where you just i just picked up and went oh crap I, I, I want to, to play this and I want to love it and I'm, I, I need to run it and I need to get people and, and, and scare the crap out of them with it. <laughs> so um, it's certainly a game that I want to run. Um, but yeah, cool. So I think we can um, leave it there. Um, so thank you very much to Pete and James for joining me on this uh, deep dive into the Alien RPG from Free League. Uh, so if that we do now um if anybody wants to find us you can find us at darker days radio on instagram and twitter and that's at darker days radio you can find us on facebook and we have a blog which i've forgotten the website for uh is it darker dash days radio or darker days dash radio i believe it is um we have a blog darker days radio.org <laughs> darker days dash something.org it's a dot org um, Google it. Going to kill me for not remembering that, but darker-days.org. Um, <laughs> darker-days.org. There we go. Thank you, James. So, um, thank you very much, uh, Pete and James, for that wonderful delve into such a beautiful game. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been good fun. Nice talking to you guys. <laughs>